0: Hi, welcome to the Haven Youth Church podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in today. We hope this message encourages you and empowers you to be all God created you to be. We love you. Welcome to the family. John chapter 2. Did you find the book of John yet? Matthew, Mark, John. Matthew, Mark, John. Oh, there's Luke in there too. Some of you buy it. some of you Theologians in the house caught me there. I almost pulled one over on you. John chapter 2. I want you stand to your feet for the reading of the word. I'm reading out of the King James tonight. The Bible says, verse 1, And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Verse 5, his mother said unto his servants, Whatever he says unto you, do it. Verse 3, And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. I want to preach to us on this thought. They want wine they want wine. Lift your hands to heaven. Lord Jesus, we give you glory and honor tonight for the glory that we've experienced in this house, the spirit of freedom, the spirit of, of your, your love, your holy love that is evident in this place, Father. Lord, we just pray right now that the revealer of truth would be in this house, <clears throat> Lord, that you would reveal your goodness that you would reveal, Lord Jesus, your love, your mercy, your grace is available to each one of us, Father. That you would uh, uh, unveil to us responsibility uh, that you have, placed, you have placed on each one of us, Lord, to take part in the harvest. Father, give us a hunger, an appetite, Lord, a desire for wine, the new wine, Lord Jesus, of your spirit. We give you the glory and the honor, Amen. You can be seated. I'm thankful for the word. You thankful for the word tonight. <clears throat> we are in the book of John. You're talking about um, you're talking about Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are referred to as the synoptic gospels. The Gospel of John, which is which is quite unique, ninety percent unique relative to M- Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and uh, and so John takes a different approach. John is like this. This this love guru guy. He's always referring to himself in this kind of way. the The one whom Jesus loved. Right. This is how he refers himself uh, to himself uh, on a regular basis. He's always bringing out the relational side of Jesus, and so he chooses to display. The the godness of Jesus, this is what his whole gospel is about, is to prove that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is God, that he is both 100% man, but he's also 100% God. God, and he does this in a unique way relative to the other gospel writers. He be, he does so by choosing miracles, and he go, he walks us through he walks us through miracles, and then explains the conversation that takes place after these miracles. And so he handpicks. Uh, several miracles to bring out. And the first one, the the first one that he does is right here at Cana. Perhaps the most famous uh, uh, story in all of scripture is the marriage at Cana that John, John says it is the beginning of miracles. It was the beginning of miracles, which is interesting to note that Jesus is now 30 years old and With all the fullness of God's glory, but it's just now being manifest to those around them, right? So for 30 years, he is walking in the authority of God, the power of God, and the glory of God. In every space he enters, he's carrying God's glory. In every space he's in, he enters, he's carrying God's power. Now, people didn't see it because it wasn't manifest yet, but it was still there. For 30 years, this man, this, this boy who was becoming a man trained as a carpenter, right? His father's work. And so he's out here creating yokes. Yeah, and so he's creating yokes, yokes that, that were lighter than any other yokes that were being created, if you understand what we're saying. And so Jesus is Jesus is 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 making every moment of his life significant. And so we may not have seen the miraculous of God until this moment, but it was always miraculous, even in the little things. We get excited about we get excited about this sign. John refers to it as a sign not a miracle. The other gospel writers call this turning the water into wine. They call it a miracle. He calls it a sign. And so and so but, but God carried that same glory even when he's etching out the wood. Right. At when he's when he's when he's laying his head down on his pillow at night, when he's munching on uh, when he's munching on, on Wheaties at home, right? He's probably got the box in front of him because, because his half-brother James is being, uh, you know, obnoxious as he's... <laughs> Some of y'all listen. I got a girl in class that is always listening to this um, the ASMR. Is that what it's called? And so it's this lady eating lasagna. And it's the same one every day. She plugs in, and she's turning, and I don't even know what to do. Like, I have a program that turns off, like, you know, websites, and I'm just so weirded out and also just in awe by it. I'm just like, I'm just going to let her listen to that. Like, let her just listen to the lasagna sound in her her earbuds, because I don't even want to begin to have that conversation with her, right? Right. So this is Jesus, right? With the box of Wheaties in front of him and his half-brother. That's what my brother did. I assumed Jesus was probably a lot like like me, and so, obviously. And so he puts the, my brother would always put the cereal box and threaten my life because I was too loud when we ate, right? But even while he was eating, it was, it was glorious, right? And so we see the beginning of the miracles in Jesus's life begin to become manifest, the ones that people get excited about actually right here when he is all of 30 years old, right? And so, and it's happening as far as context, it's happening right here at a wedding. And, and so this is interesting that that if I can just, take my time to teach you a little bit. It's interesting that Jesus is showing up at a wedding. And the reason why that's interesting is because there's no other prophet that you read that is relational in scripture. Okay? Like you don't ever read about Jeremiah showing up in a wedding. You don't ever read about Moses turning water into wine. Moses, who's who's a type of, of Christ and brings us the law, turned the water into blood. And this is what the people of the day expected of the Messiah. They expected him to be more like John. And the Bible says that his disciples began to believe here, but they already had believed. They had believed because of John, the ascetic, right? The one who had separated himself out into the wilderness. The one who had, who had camel fur for clothes, who was eating locusts and honey, right? Who smelled a funk, a lot like if you get close to me tonight and you wonder what the smell is, it's probably my shirt. Not because the bingles are funky, but because this shirt has been like in the barn for a while. And uh, so there's a long story there. But he smelled funky, right? Did John the Baptist, right? John the prophet, the aesthetic, right? And so this is what they expected Jesus to be, calling people whitewashed you know, calling people out in the, in the middle of the desert with a fierce, strong, booming voice. How dare you come into my presence without, without worship, right? This is what they expected. But here's Jesus rubbing shoulders with people. He came to the wedding, right? He's come to the wedding. He was invited and he shows up. And he's sitting close to people. He's engaging in conversation with people. And we believe that he's probably somehow related to the family because of the way his mother kind of takes charge of things. And, and so Jesus Jesus is showing up in ways that we've never seen a prophet show up before. And he continues to all throughout the, the Gospels. And hopefully that opens that, that perspective, that lends up to you as you read. Wait a minute. Here's Jesus doing again what no other prophet is doing. Here he is again showing up... As at the invitation, uh, to, to, to Zacchaeus' house, the tax collector, Zacchaeus invites him to eat and Jesus shows up. Nobody's inviting John the Baptist over to eat. Nobody wants John the Baptist over to eat, right? Nobody wanted the prophets over to eat. That's why they killed them. Nobody, nobody was trying to, to kick it with the men of God because they always delivered such a such a such a, a judgmental judgmental word, right? But here comes Jesus in new form. And he's and and we see this this new this new era being being introduced, right? And so in our passage, you know the story. There are six there are six pots, there's six water pots there, right? We know that to mean because just as much as this is a story, it's also a parable, right? But this actually happened. And so there's six water, water pots that were for cleansing and for temple purity, for washing hands and feet and all this kind of stuff, right? And so we know the six to represent, to represent incompleteness, right? Seven is the number of perfection, but six is a number of incompleteness. It's also the number of man, right? And so when he completes and he fills up each one of these earthen vessels, each one of these pots, and he becomes the fulfillment of what was incomplete in the old law right? And so, and so this is what we see, and this is the types that, we're, that we pull out in, in Scripture. And so here he is at a wedding, and he's going to turn the water into wine. And, and I would dare say that you are going to experience that wine. You're going to experience that wine, perhaps in this life, but most definitely in the one to come if you wear the name of Jesus. Right? Revelation, I'll prove it to you, 19 and 6 says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude. And as the voice of many waters... And as the voice of mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Hallelujah. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the 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 saints. And he said unto me, right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the lamb. Jesus is having another wedding. He's going to be there. And the good news is you have a personal invitation to experience that same wine that he poured out right there at Cana. Amen. Hallelujah. And so the people are crying out at this point for wine. Wine is a type of like, of the extra in life. Uh, It's the, it's the, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. That's the new wine. That's the extra. And people are saying, we want more. We want wine. We. Well, there must be more than what we've experienced up to this point. I've been in good church services, but I'm not satisfied with the good church service. I want the glory of God. I want to see the power of God at work in my life. And it's not enough for me just to see it in an altar at a youth service. But oh, that God would allow me to see the glory of God break out in a classroom, break out in a, break out in a hallway, break out, break out in my, in my workplace or break out in my cubicle I- I want wine. And the world cries, I want wine. There must be more to life than this. And the Lord Jesus right here at Cana is showing us a preparation for those who will become that wine. And most of us have been positioned by God to fulfill the desire of the soul of every man. We've been positioned to announce what that new wine is. But most of us aren't sure we're ready. And we see this in our passage where they want wine, Mary recognizes that they want wine. Not really her job, but she takes the responsibility. And she goes to Jesus, her son, and she says, you got to do something. And he said, baby, it ain't my problem. What do I have to do with thee? It's not my hour. My time hasn't come yet. Right? It's not my responsibility. can I tell you, the cheap substitute for the new wine is running out in lives all around you. And there is a heart cry for the real. And I know, I know that you would say it's not my problem. Who am I to intervene or who am I to, who am I to interject? And it's, it's not, it's not really my, it's not really my, my issue. And, and can I, can I tell you that it it may not be your problem, but it is your purpose. Can I say that again? It may not be your problem that the person sitting next to you in your in your in your math class is addicted to addicted to to every pill that's come down the line. That may not be your your problem. It may be their problem, right? It may not be your problem that the girl that sits behind you has been abused in every single way by everybody that was supposed to love them. It may not be your problem. The boy that sits in front of you that's so angry that's throwing deaths across the room that nobody can figure out it. May not be your problem that he's been abused since he was a baby boy it may not be your problem that 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 every disorder he's ever had his parents blamed on him and beat him because because he couldn't function properly because of some disability maybe he's a crack baby if it's like the one that i had an etr with this week is a no of no fault of his own everywhere he turns he's been abused and he acts out in class all because he knows that nobody loves him all throughout middle school they read his etr my heart is probably the longest day of the years so far he would they said all throughout all throughout elementary he would begin to scream out nobody loves me and he was right no one in this earth loved him or cared for him what is he saying there must be more i want wine and it may not be your problem and it may not be my problem but it's my purpose it's my purpose it's my purpose to deliver the good news of the gospel. It's my purpose to go to places that I have that I, that that I have no I have no uh, no no direct connection to. I don't I don't know I don't know this young man outside of him being my student. But I am well convinced that he's been placed in the front row of my class for one reason: because I've got wine, and if I can get him to just taste the wine. This Jesus will begin to bind up every wound of his life if I'm willing to step into purpose. Not my problem, but it's my purpose. I'm so glad that we serve a Jesus who didn't look down on me when I was, when I was at, at my lowest and say, it's not my problem. It's not my problem they fell into sin. It's not my problem. They chose sin over righteousness. It's not my problem. They knew the way, but they went the other way. It's not my problem. I sent the gospel witness to them. It's not my problem that they're that they're stuck in the pit. They're stuck in the mire. They're stuck in the bucket. It's not my problem. Oh no, he, it may not have been his problem, but he did. He did say, "I have come for this reason. This is my purpose to take the sin upon of the world." my own shoulders to endure the wrath of an angry father it is my purpose to seek and to save that which is lost it's my purpose not my problem but it's my purpose And I would, I, would, I, would, I would say, who is it that you haven't even recognized that God has brought into your, into your life? You've not even recognized, because it's not my problem. It's not my problem. Oh, you are carrying new wine. It is the entire purpose of the vessel. To carry new wine. Born again. For what? To be a part of a group? Be a part of a church? So you can. Sunday school? You don't do that, so. Spend your Thursday nights with us? Somebody can give you a side hug? If they're not giving you side hugs, you should rearrange, like, never mind, it's another story. Born again and delivered. To be a deliverer. Jesus said, That's not my problem, but it is my purpose. The other initial response of Jesus is, I'm not ready. It's not my time. And it may not be your time, but can I tell you? It's your responsibility. It's important to note that God's will isn't the same as God's time, I understand that. It's important to note that some of you have, a, have clear direction on your life, where God is, 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 is commissioning you. And just because you have that, doesn't mean that that's where you're supposed to be necessarily right now, which is the frustrating piece of vision, right? Because when we see and we have a glimpse of where, where God wants us to be, but we're still, we're still back here, right? It becomes frustrating. And sometimes we feel like we're spinning our wheels, and we feel like we're not getting, we're not moving anywhere quickly, and we see other people being promoted and elevated in different ways and fashions, and so it becomes becomes disheartening at times, and and disillusionment can set in at times because God's will isn't always God's time. There may be a, a million other reasons why it's not your time been hurt, been broken, burnout, out, you failed, struggling in a myriad of, of areas in your life, Can I tell you, it still doesn't negate that it's your responsibility. Jesus said, It's not my time. But keep watching. What is he doing? It's not my time. But what is he doing? Get the pictures. Get the pictures the water what is he doing not his time his responsibility can I tell you that I wasn't ready I wasn't I wasn't ready to take over a, a, a youth ministry when I was a teenager I wasn't even close trying to figure out a lot of things in my life. And here they are asking me to lead the youth group. I wasn't ready. I can, I can take you to, to a hospital room <clears throat> where we're getting ready to have our first, firstborn, Jude. And I knew I wasn't ready. I wasn't even sure I wanted to be a dad what's going on? I wasn't ready. I don't know that anybody's ever ready for the first time. And every mom and dad in this room could probably agree, I was not ready. I wasn't ready to be a husband. God has placed people and positioned you with circumstances for you a responsibility for you to step into, to deliver wine. And the cry is, I'm not ready. It's not my responsibility. It's not my problem. But it is your purpose, and it is your responsibility. And, and I know there's been hurt, and I know there's been pain, and I know there's been confusion, and I know there's wonder, and all of the other things that the enemy is trying to use to prevent you from stepping into the purpose and responsibility God has for you to release that new wine. let me let me break it down really quick I can I can remember when I can remember when they started doing all night prayer which is probably the most pivotal pivotal moment of my life when we were coming out of uh, going through really the I don't know nine months of of revival having services every single night and eventually i think we had saturday off and instantaneous miracles common in the house um people coming from all over who never even knew who we were the, the spirit of god compelling them to come into to church just driving by showing up and just said something told me i had to be here tonight all the things that you read about of revivals we were experiencing, called it the Butter Street Revival before we moved over here. And at some point we started, and some of you guys will remember this, we started the all night prayer. And I can remember that every night, the pastor, Sunday night, they would call for volunteers for all night prayer. And at first it was, you know, people were, you know, giddy about it. Let's go, right? But really quickly it became the same people. And then it became a struggle. And nobody wanted Friday night. And I, I don't think that I was really qualified at Butter Street to probably pray on Friday night or certainly lead a, a prayer thing on a Friday night, but nobody else was. And because there was a need there, I knew I could fill it. And so I raised my hand, I'll pray on the Friday night. And I began to raise my hand for the next five years every Friday night. And I can remember when I can remember when we here at this church didn't have a bus route for gratis. I didn't know anything about bus ministry, but I knew my pastor was doing the bus work on Saturday. And I knew that wasn't right. So there's a need, and love always feels a need. And so I thought, well, I can do that. I'll do the bus route. And I watched as God began to begin to even on that bus route where they gave us a they gave us a I don't even know if we had a vehicle. We had to use our own vehicles because it wasn't even really in existence. And then they gave us the, the van. And then, then the Lord began to bless. we didn't know what we were doing. We are just learning on the job and loving kids. And that's a whole other thing. I don't know, like kids, sent, parents sending their, their kids with, I don't know, that's, Autumn, we need to talk about that. She's a child care-like person. Child children services. And I can tell you that we, we filled the truck up, we filled the van up and we filled the short bus up and then they had to give us the big bus. We didn't know what we were doing. But God begins to equip and God begins to enable and do what you cannot do. And here we see water. You know wine has a process. Wine requires something, it requires grapes. And in order for a grape to become wine, the grape, of course, has to be crushed. And then it has to sit in bags to ferment. Because it's the only way they could preserve anything at the time. This was before canned. We've got some gardeners in the house who've been canning. You know, that started with Napoleon to feed his army. That was about a 1,000 years after this story. They had no way to preserve, so they put it in wine skin. What does that have to do with water? Everything, because water can't be wine. Water can't be wine. Yeah, I no, no, you don't get it, so let me say it like this i cannot be i shouldn't be a youth pastor i shouldn't be holding a microphone i was the shyest kid in high school in high school in high school i couldn't pray over lunch i couldn't string a sentence together in front of people i was water god began to God began to stir my heart. He began to put a hunger inside of me. I can tell you my entire experience in church was nothing of God except what other people had told me for all the way until I was 17 years old. It was all secondhand. just like these disciples. It was all through John. All I knew of God was through John. I did not know Jesus for myself but finally when I was 17 years old on Thursday night at a youth camp I had a real encounter with Jesus. I had a real Real life transformation more than goosebumps more than a good feeling more than feeling the spirit of God and walking out and falling into into sin over and over and over again but I had a real encounter with God for the first time in my life and it changed me forever I've never turned back and all I had to offer was water I had no gifting the only thing I had maybe was good looks And i only say that because people want to bring that up all the time and kyle and i were at a a dinner and the the last thing i want to hear about myself is that i'm good looking and they're talking about the different ministers in the room and their ministry, right i'm like oh, he's gonna say something good about about there's a lot of good to say right how about me and my ministry what god has blessed that's good these students and all the students always say man he's really good So maybe that's a redeeming quality. And maybe God knew I needed that. I don't know. (laughs) But Can I tell you, there's a lot of other people in this room, you know good and well, you're not grapes. You're water. And what does Jesus do? He can bypass all of the process. He can bypass even the necessity of gifts and the necessity of of talent, and the necessity of ability, which are grapes, right? And he goes to the water. He goes to the water that's been used to wash feet and wash dishes and to wash hands. He uses this dirty water, and he said, that's what I want. And it's not going to sit and ferment for years or for months or for days, but... Right now, in a moment, I'm going to take them from nothing to everything. Right now, in a moment, I'm going to take them from what they aren't to what they are. From what they cannot do to what I can do through them. In a moment, from water to new wine. I'm not ready. I come from the wrong side of tracks. I come from the wrong family. I come from I come from the wrong side of. T- I come from the wrong everything. It's okay. Me too. Oh, if you knew, you would understand. Me too. Water. What is he doing? Give me the water. Give me the water. Give me the brokenness. Give me the I can't. Give me the I'm not ready. Give me the, give me the. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they'll accept me. I don't know if I can say it. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know. Give me the Moseses and say, I know that within myself I'm nothing. I can't even string a sentence together. Don't send me alone. Let Aaron go with me. What is Moses? He's water. He can do something with water. You know what he can't do something with? Grapes. Who refuse to be crushed. what happens to grapes when they stay on the vine because they just want to get bigger? They stay on the vine because of pride because they know They have all the answers. They They know the best way. You know what the sun does to grapes? It dries them out. They become raisins. So some of us tonight, we know we're gifted. We know we're called. We know there's purpose in our lives. We know we walk in an anointing. But can I tell you that the fullness of what God has for you, the new wine that he has for you, will never be achieved until you're willing to submit everything. And you say, Lord, take me through the crushing. Not my will, but thine be done. Not my idea of ministry. I'll." I'll go wherever you lead. Even if it's. Jesus is telling the disciples, if you're going to follow me, just know that the little foxes have have holes and birds have nests. the son of man doesn't even have a place to lay his head if you're going to follow me sometimes we don't have anywhere to go was he talking to the grapes I need your yes wherever I lead wherever I lead they want wine Give it? Will you serve it? There's a a story out. say really quick. The key to water becoming one is the whatever he says piece. I remember when they first asked me to, to teach Sunday school class for the first time. I knew I wasn't ready. I knew I couldn't do it. I told them no. Ken Norvell, right back there in that song. And it was a week or two later, and Ken Norvell must have seen something that I didn't see for He asked me again, and it already purposed in my heart because I felt the grip of the Holy Spirit. He asked me again, and I said, okay, I'll do it. I taught my first Sunday school lesson. Remember when I taught my first, I don't know, sermon, I guess you call it, at a Q&A class? It was terrible. There are a few leftovers that were here when I first started preaching. And God knows that they got a free pass to, to heaven and during all that, all those years. And I'm not saying I'm good now, but... Phew. I just said, whatever you say, Lord. Can you do what he says? We don't need more leaders. say yes to labor. Jesus didn't say, look up, the fields are white, ready to harvest. Pray ye therefore, the Lord will send leaders. He didn't say, send some people with titles. I need some water. Send some labor. Just get in the field. He'll just get in the field and work. If you're water tonight, he just needs your yes. Whatever he says. Even if the platform isn't big enough for your anointing, He needs your character to be bigger. He needs your integrity to be bigger than your influence. He's not looking for the right skills. He's looking for the right servants. How liberating is that? It's not about my talent. It's not whether or not I can do it. Just do what he says. I'll just respond. He doesn't need you to be puffed up with knowledge. Those of you who are waiting to maybe go to school. How are you? It doesn't need you to be educated with knowledge. It needs you to be equipped with obedience. Jessica was supposed to go to Bible school. It was in fact her dream to be in the OBI choir. It's true, it was. She didn't go there. The Lord purpose in her heart to be a teacher in a public school and serve little babies in public school. So she laid down her desire, it may not be your desire, but it was hers, to go to Bible college, to go to seminary, and instead went to a public university. I'm not encouraging anybody to go to a public university over a private university, particularly in the day and age in which we live. But if God calls you there, it's different. She went the right state with her booth thing. They gave her a scholarship that she shouldn't have got, but God. And I can tell you that we wouldn't be together if she had gone there. She would have found somebody much more able. She would have found some grapes. She got water. It's not if you have what it takes. everybody knows you're not enough and you're not the one. I don't know where he's calling you. I don't know where, who he's put in your life. I don't know the circumstances of, of your spheres, but whether your grapes or your water, there's wonders things for you to do for the kingdom of God, and they may not look wonders. It's a difficulty in following him. I want to read you a story. This is about a, a lady that you probably uh, you probably never heard heard of before. This is Gladys Aylward. A poor Irish cleaning lady who felt called to China. So she went to missionary training. She flunked and failed. So she decided to go anyway and determined to raise the money for a one way ticket to China. So she began to do housework, was hired as a maid. couldn't couldn't accumulate enough money to purchase a ticket because the fare to get from where she was to where she was working was too expensive. So Gladys, because her conviction that China was where God wanted her to live, to work. believed that if he wanted her there, surely he'd help her get there. So she placed the two and a half pennies she had left on her Bible. She began to pray. She said, here's my Bible. Here's all the money I have. And here is me. Find some way to use me, God. She went down to the shipping agency with three pounds. She asked, how much money is a one-way ticket to China? They asked her, well, what part of China? And she said, any part will do. They told her the cheapest ticket was 90 pounds. She had three. She said, is there a cheaper way? They responded to her, there is by train through Russia, but Russia is at war with China, and it's unlikely that you would arrive at your destination wherever that might be. She said, it's my life that would be at risk, so it's my choice, and I would like to open an account to pay for a train ticket to China. This is 1930. She said, take the three pounds, I'll be back every Friday until I have paid off. Took two months to save the money, but she raised it and left England. She was kicked off the train at the end of the line in Russia, near the Chinese border. Bombing and fighting had made the crossing, crossing the border impossible. Russian soldiers ordered her to walk back the way she came. So she walked all night back up the tracks, nearly freezing to death, walking through the Siberian winter, braving wolves and in inclement weather. She eventually made her way to the city of Vladivostok, only to be captured there by a pimp. She escapes, this escape led her to Japan, from which she found her way to China. She traveled for weeks by train or foot. She arrived at a village where the road ended, and was carried up into the mountains in a basket on the back of a mule. In her first days, she had mud thrown on her as a foreign devil. She witnessed the decapitation of a thief by the mandarins. She testified of the head rolling right to her feet. She said she ran home crying, overwhelmed at the, at the nowhere to which following Jesus had brought her. Her elderly co-worker died so in order not to starve, she opened up an inn for mule ca- mule caravans. She called it the Inn of Eight Happiness. And there with her trusted Chinese helper, she shared Bible stories with all the mule caravan guides who then spread the gospel wherever they traveled. The mandarin then asked Gladys to be his honorable foot inspector. This is a time of foot binding in China. And to tour the district to ensure that the binding of young girls' feet ceased, Gladys agreed on one condition, saying, wherever I go on behalf of your excellency, I will speak of my God and my faith, and I will try and make others believe as I do. Shocked because no one spoke to the Mandarin that way, much less a woman, he agreed, and Gladys proceeded to share the gospel in every village of the district as she helped wipe out the practice of foot binding. And believers came to Jesus, and churches were birthed. A prison revolt occurred as the prisoners, so poorly treated, went wild. They took over the prison, they slaughtered one another in the violence. The Mandarin sent Gladys to the prison. The soldiers with her were too afraid to go in themselves, but said to Gladys, you must go in and stop the fighting. You are always telling everyone you have the living God in you, so how could they kill you? You and the living God go. Go in there and get the men to stop fighting. Otherwise, none of them will be left alive. So she fearfully entered the prison. She found blood splattered everywhere. Men were dead and dying all around her. A prisoner rushed at another one next to her with machete raised above his head to strike and Gladys yelled, Stop at once and give me that machete. As the story reads, with evil eyes, he turned on her arm frozen in the air. He dropped the machete and it clattered to the ground. The noise so startled the other fighting prisoners that they stopped and she she shouted, All of you, drop your weapons and come over here. Get in the line in front of me here. And they did. She said, I've been sent here to find out the problem and solve it, but I can't talk to the governor on your behalf until you clean up some of this mess. Clean up this mess and I'll talk about how I can help you. Prisoners cleaned up the mess. Order was restored. And only then did the governor and all his male soldiers re-enter the prison. Gladys confronted the governor on the animal-like treatment of the prisoners and instituted a program for prison reform, for jobs, money-making initiatives, farming for nutritious food study, and gospel lessons. Just water. World War II began. The Japanese bombed her inn. She was buried alive in the rubble. After being dug out, she walked her orphaned children more than which totaled more than 100 over the mountains. It took weeks, but they all survived starvation, fatigue, a blow to the head from the butt of a rifle when she stopped Japanese soldiers from raping Chinese women, sent her center into a coma. And at the end of the force at, at the end of the force march in recovery, she traveled to Tibet and shared the gospel with 500 Buddhist monks. She worked in a leper colony and shared the gospel there. She got the lepers to serve and preach the gospel in prison. Just water. Gladys started a university ministry and led many university students to faith just before the communists had taken over the university. The communists made the 500 university students take a test and asked them to indicate if they stood for or against the communist party. 200 students 200 students said that they were against the communists. When questioned by the communist authorities, those 200 said they converted to Christ through Gladys' preaching and now supported Jesus Christ and no one else. The furious communists called the 300 communist students sympathizers to a secret meeting and told them to harass harass the 200 Christians for a month. They handed out another questionnaire and this time those not supporting the communists had grown to more than 200. Again, the communist students were called upon, harassed, led to beatings of the Christians and breaking up of prayer meetings. But a third examination of loyalty showed that not one of the Christians wavered, infuriated. The communists assigned ten communists to each individual Christian with orders to break them down. Christians were not allowed to talk to one another. They were mocked and every word recorded. And After three months, a public meeting was called in the town square for all students. Communist troops marched over 200 Christian students into the town square. Each Christian had a report. Communist leader picked up the first report, a brand new convert, 17 year old young girl from Peking. He looked at the young girl who'd been pressured for three months. Gladys stood in the square watching, who do you support now? Girl spoke loudly and clearly, sir, three months ago, I thought Jesus Christ was real. And I thought the Bible was true. And now after three months of your hatred, I know Jesus Christ is real, and I know the Bible is true. Just water. The official, his face white with rage, yelled to one of the soldiers on the left. The girl was pulled to the center of the square and shoved to her knees. A sword was drawn and her head was lopped off. 17 years old. Gladys stayed while each of the more than 200 Christians were similarly questioned. Not one betrayed Christ. And every one of them beheaded. Two hundred Christians, following Jesus, whatever He says. As Jesus, as she slowly walked home, Gladys thought, "If they must die, let them not be afraid of death, but let there be meaning, O God, in their dying." Those two hundred students followed Jesus. What looked like nowhere, and like Jesus, their heads had nowhere to rest but in the bloody town square. And it's true that sometimes our yes, whatever he says, is to war zones, to walk through frozen forests, to endure. B- abuse from those who are operating under the influence of the enemy sometimes our yes is to p- poverty or sickness or, or prison or bombings or refugee camps or pain or trial but if you give him your water tonight like Gladys He'll do wonders. He'll do wonders through you. May want your wine. Bow your heads across this room. Lord, we love you. We give you glory tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that you've invited us to to that great feast you offer us, Father, wine, new wine, if we'll just say yes to you, if we'll surrender, no matter what we've gone through, no matter what we've endured, no matter what we are currently in or stuck in, no matter what the struggle, no matter who's walked out on us, no matter who's forgot about us, no matter who's talked about us, no matter who's harmed us, there you are you are saying in my weakness your strength is made perfect when everybody else wants to dump us out and everybody else is through with us and everybody else is pushing us to the side you say that's the water i want i can do something with that give us folks in the room tonight respond. Whatever you say, they'll do it. Give us folks who are carrying, Lord God, who are grapes who are willing to say, wherever you place me, God, I'll endure. Whatever crushing that I have to go through, I'll allow the process of refining to take place. Just and sharing this podcast with someone you can follow us on social media at Haven Youth Church we love you fam the best is yet to come